Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to the Enterprise Architecture Radio. If you're thinking about organizational complexity and agility, if you're concerned about operational efficiencies and thinking of taking it to the next level, if managing innovation is one of your priorities, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we talk about all of that and more. It's a jungle out there, and we'll attempt to navigate this jungle of frameworks, methods, and most importantly, enterprise architecture in practice. Enterprise architecture has become a bit of a buzzword these days. When you hear the word enterprise architecture, there are two kinds of responses that you usually get. One is people are excited about it and they keep on talking about it. Or they say that no, 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 enterprise architecture is a buzzword and I don't want to have to do anything with it. But if you keep the buzzword aside for a moment, what is enterprise architecture really? I'm not talking about the title enterprise architect or the the business capability enterprise architecture, even if you don't have any enterprise architecture within the organization, or even if you don't have the title or the capability named enterprise architect or enterprise architecture in your organization. Are you doing enterprise architecture? Let me give you an example of a farmer who builds a hut in his farm. He lives in the village and he has to walk down to his farm every other day and he finds it a bit of a nuisance. So he builds a small hut right next to his farm so that every once in a while, if he has to, he can stay in the hut. He doesn't have to walk down all the way to the village to his house. And I was on a motorcycle trip uh, to Arunachal Pradesh, and uh, which is in the far east of India. And I and it started raining on one day, one particular day, and I was passing through a remote village within uh, within Arunachal Pradesh. And I was riding solo, so there was nobody with me. And, and there was this shelter built on the road. And just to protect myself from the rain, I took shelter in that thing. And while I was waiting for the rain to stop, a farmer walked by and he was intrigued by my motorcycle. And he came and he started talking to me and he told me about this, that he's built a small hut near his farm. And, um, and every once in a while, when he doesn't feel like going back home, he just stays the night in the hut. He lives about three kilometers away from the farm in a small village. Now, my question to you is this, something to think about. When a farmer builds a small hut near his farm, do you think that hut has any kind of architecture? Well, the answer to that question is yes, it does. But I will call it accidental architecture. And there's this another book that I was reading, which was recommended by one of my uh, readers, uh, called Seeing Like a State, which is about how human beings have made decisions that were with good intent, but ended up being bad decisions, and where uh, they talk about meters, right? Um, meters essentially is an experiential skill that people have acquired, which may or may not be based on any kind of science. So, for example, if you ask a question to a Native American, what is the right time to plant maize? The answer would be something like, uh, when the teak leaves grow to the size of the ear of a squirrel, that is the right time to plant maize. Now, is he wrong? Of course not. He's gathered that knowledge over the years by trying out multiple things, and he wanted a measure 
of what is the right time to plant maize and this is what he could come up with and this is what his father taught him or his grandfather taught his father and so on and so forth. Similarly, the hut that the farmer builds does have architecture. His father has taught him how to build a hut so that it can withstand um, the test of time, it can withstand the weather and so on and so forth and, and he builds a house accordingly. But does it really have architecture? So I call this accidental architecture, right? People have learned how to design the hut in a good way. While the farmer doesn't understand the principles of construction architecture, he might not know what structure is or what aesthetics is or what uh, what you need to do. And I'm not a construction architect. My father is. So I'm not going to talk about that too much. But But there is an implicit architecture in that house. The house is designed in such a way that it can withstand the test of time. But it is not conscious right? Every organization has enterprise architecture. Whether there is a conscious enterprise architecture capability within the organization or not, or whether the people who are doing this architecture are trained enterprise architects or not, or whether the title enterprise architect exists or not, the point is that there is enterprise architecture, there is design. People design the organization in a way that, um, that it makes sense. And, and that knowledge might be implicit. They have learned over the years, through years and years of experience of managing stakeholders and managing businesses and managing processes and managing technologies and applications and data. And, and they gain this, this implicit experiential knowledge that helps them in taking decisions. Now, sometimes these decisions are not the best decisions because uh, the one thing that conscious architecture brings is the required training, the understanding of the principles of design that helps us in making better decisions. I'm not saying that all the decisions are wrong. I'm not saying that conscious architecture is always right. And I'm not saying that uh, implicit architecture is always wrong. All I'm saying is when you have conscious architecture, you have empirical knowledge. You have scientific knowledge about the principles of design. And there's a higher chance that you will make the right decision. Let me take an example of mergers and acquisitions. And there are a number of other transformations that I can talk about, but I like to talk about mergers and acquisitions because in this particular case, it helps us understand the two different activities that an enterprise architecture organization should be doing. Whether you have a formal enterprise architecture capability or not, any IT or business leader who has to take decisions about organizational design has to do one of these two activities. The first activity is a forward-looking activity. So let's take the example of mergers and acquisitions. We know what we want to do. We know what our desired future state is, which is, let's say, we are acquiring an organization in a new country so that we can go and start doing business there. That's a forward-looking architecture. And the other side is the backward-looking architecture or looking into the current state and looking into understanding how we are today and is that the best, most efficient form of design in the context of construction architecture, that is looking at our house and seeing whether we need any renovations or not. Is this, is this the best design that we can live with or can we make improvements or not? So, so that's the analogy. Now, when we are doing a merger, we know our future state, that there is an organization that we are going to buy out and it's going to come into our organization and function as a separate business function. And it's going to have to align with all, all different business functions. That's the future state. And that is the identification of the change. That's the identification of what the organization is going to be doing as a part of this transformation. 
in most organizations in the industry today, there's a business function that is specifically created with the purpose of one, looking for opportunities for mergers and acquisitions because uh, mergers and acquisitions are increasing day by day. Organizations are looking at it as a strategic capability. They define a budget for mergers and acquisitions to happen year on year. And even though they don't know what kind of merger or acquisition they're going to do or what kind of divestiture they're going to do, and they form this this organization and assign it a budget that this year you're going to have to do mergers, acquisitions, and divestitures of, I don't know, a million dollars, two million, five million dollars, depending upon the size and complexity of the organization. So so the only job that these this team has is to do mergers and acquisitions. They go look out for opportunities uh, to merge with other organizations or to acquire other organizations so that they can acquire specific capabilities that could provide us with a competitive advantage and a, and a business opportunity. Or they look inwards at capabilities that exist within the organization that are not performing well and that can be divested from or that can be spun off as separate organizations. So so that's one activity, looking out for opportunities. And then the second activity, which is also very important, is executing that merger or acquisition or divestiture. Going through the process of uh, either bringing these organizations together and integrating them into one or going through the process of the spin-off or the divestiture or selling off a particular capability to another organization. So one is identification of an opportunity and the other is uh, implementing that opportunity. Now, identification from an enterprise architecture standpoint is not very important, so I won't talk about that that much. But as far as implementation is concerned, this organization has limited amount of time to get these organizations integrated or, you know, separated if it's a divestiture or a spin-off. And they have about eight to nine months, approximately six to nine months to get everything done. So if it's an integration, then they have to integrate everything within six months. And if it's a divestiture, they have to uh, carve it out of their organization within six to nine months. Because they have targets and they have to prepare for the next year as well. And this integration should not take too much time. Now, this integration is complex. There are processes, functions, applications, data, technologies, everything that needs to be taken care of, whether it's an integration or a separation. So to be able to complete this merger acquisition or divestiture project within the period of six to nine months, this capability, what it does is it focuses on the big ticket items, the large applications, the large Uh, data elements, the large business functions and processes that need to integrate. And, and, And they get it done within six to nine months and then they leave it for later that, okay, the smaller items, the details, we'll take care of it later. Unfortunately, what ends up happening in most organizations is these things never get taken care of. You know, there you'll find that there are redundant applications, there are redundant processes, complex and convoluted, there are redundant data elements and data silos, there are technology licenses, software licenses, which are redundant all over the place. And, and and the environment becomes more and more chaotic over a period of time. So let's bring it back to enterprise architecture then. Whoever is the decision maker, whether it's the mergers and acquisitions team that is doing the divestiture or whether it's the IT organization or whether there is a, a dedicated capability called enterprise architecture, whoever is taking these enterprise decisions, they need to do two things. One is the forward-looking part where They get engaged with the mergers and acquisitions team, make sure that they understand the landscape, the future landscape properly. They build a design 
that helps in integrating or separating these organizations properly. And they document the big ticket items that need to be taken care of within the next six to nine months. Because I can understand that it is sometimes not possible to take care of everything within the period that has been mentioned. But once the merger is complete and those six to nine months are done, we know what are the rest of the things that need to be taken care of later. So, so this team needs to also have a backward-looking perspective where they constantly keep an eye on the organization, they constantly keep an eye on the landscape and make sure that things are efficient. So whenever uh, licenses, for example, come up for renewals, they need to take a look at whether or not these renewals are required or do we have some redundant leftover other licenses that are anyways going to be renewed and and we can you know make do with those and get rid of these we need to look at redundant applications redundant data redundant business processes business functions simple things like sometimes there are business functions which are required across multiple organizations or multiple business functions uh, let's say content development content development is a business function that is required by multiple organizations it may be required by uh, the marketing organization, it might be required by the IT organization and so on and so forth. And it is possible that these business functions might have been created multiple places within the larger organization. So when the enterprise architecture has an inward-looking view or backward-looking view, they look at the organization and they see, are there redundant capabilities within the organization that can be better leveraged? Can we convert a vertical into a horizontal, turn it into a shared service, and use it across the organization. And this inward-looking view brings in efficiencies within the organization that that wouldn't exist if somebody is not looking inward. And that's the true value of enterprise architecture. It's not that you have to have an enterprise architecture capability within the organization, call it enterprise architecture, or have a business title called enterprise architect. All those are uh, things which have the danger of getting converted into a, um, a buzzword. What's important is that the leaders within the organization have an enterprise architecture mindset, have a forward-looking mindset where they look at the entire transformation, whether it's a merger, an acquisition, or something else. They have a scientific method of looking at the transformation, making sure that it's done right, and then whatever is left out should get into business as usual, where we constantly keep an eye on the landscape and make sure that the organization keeps on getting more and more efficient with the passage of time. I wanted to cover this topic specifically because of the buzzword. I wish that organizations understand what enterprise architecture brings to the table, the value that it drives, and take a look at it seriously. I understand if organizations don't want to have a dedicated capability called enterprise architecture, but they'd better have the understanding of enterprise architecture and take that into account when they take decisions. Have conscious architecture done, in their transformation decisions. That's all I have for you today, folks. I hope you enjoyed the show. More about organizational agility, innovation, and enterprise architecture in the practical world, in the business, right here on the show. But before I end the show, I want you to help me out with this one little thing. Pause the show and share this podcast via WhatsApp or text message with at least one person who might be interested in the show. It could be anyone your colleague, your boss, someone in your team. That's all I ask. Just one share with one message via text or WhatsApp or any social media of your choice. And it would go a long way in supporting this podcast and growing this listener base. 
Also, please don't forget to follow the podcast. That way, you'll get notified when we publish a new episode. If you want to find out more about us, you can find us at enterprisearchitectureradio.com. If you have ideas, thoughts, disagreements, please feel free to write to me directly. Uh, we also have a Telegram group if you would like to contribute to the EA discussions or what have you. Just search for Enterprise Architecture Radio on Telegram. Now, the URL to join the group is https colon slash slash t.me slash enterprise architecture radio. While our contact details are there in the show notes, we are very easy to find. Just search for Enterprise Architecture Radio anywhere. Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, even Discord. Once again, I hope you had fun and I'll see you in the next one.